0: in our Lord Jesus Christ, and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. The following is a sermon recently preached at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this message. We're going to look at Psalm 127 today, which I just read, and we have a glorious psalm before us to look at and to go through There's a psalm of faith before us. In history, this is one of the Psalms of Ascent, sung by God's covenant people as they went up to Jerusalem in order to worship. And so they would go up singing the Psalms of Ascent as they went up to uh, the Temple Mount in order to worship worship in Jerusalem. it's one of the Psalms that pointed the people toward Jerusalem to the Temple, toward the house of the Lord where God dwelt between the cherubim, right? And it is also pointing us towards the model of our own homes, that God is to be in the center of our own homes as well. And this was part of the singing that based in people's minds the necessity of the Lord to build his house, for the necessity of the Lord to be the one who builds the house. In particular, this psalm points us to faithful child-rearing, but can broadly and generally speak to God being the source of all our labors, though it's specifically pointing to child-rearing here. Without him, we labor in vain, says the psalmist. And that can apply to all of life. Without the Lord, we labor in vain. That concludes all of life and all our endeavors. We need to have a theocentric view of the world, that God is central. That is the way the Christian life and community ought to be. But as we look around us, we see much laboring apart from resting in the Lord. We see a lot of labor apart from resting in God. We see many who labor and work and toil, who rise up early as the psalmist says, who sit up late, who in all this find no satisfaction and peace, and they end up eating the bread of sorrows, as the psalmist says there. And that's because we have a crisis of faith in our nation. We have a crisis of faith in our nation today, and a crisis of faith even in the church at large around us. When we look around us, we see starkness. We see a lot of labor, but not a whole lot of trusting in the Lord. Since I've become a pastor and interact more with people on a pastoral level, I'm amazed at how little the basic gospel of Christ, the good news, isn't even understood. The basic gospel oftentimes is not even understood. As you ask people some very basic questions, they look at you blankly. This is a crisis of faith that needs to be remedied from the pulpits and taught within the church and taught within the homes. We need to be gospel-oriented People. This is especially startling when we understand the passage in Hebrews that we read this morning. Hebrews eleven six, which says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. So we have people that don't understand the gospel. How can they be pleasing the Lord? Where is their faith? Faith is central to our lives as Christians. Again, if you want to look at Hebrews 11:6 6, again, find some instruction for us. It says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That is very instructive to us. Two things we must understand about pleasing God in faith. We must first understand by faith that He is, that He is, that He exists, that He is the foundation of all things, that He is all-powerful, all-knowing, omniscient, that He is who He says He is in His Word, as He has revealed Himself in His Word. We need to believe that. We must believe that He is. And second, that He rewards those that diligently seek Him. That he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This is the backdrop of looking at Psalm 127 today. The necessity of faith and child rearing and that God is the rewarder of child rearing and faith. But you see, we need to have faith in our lives and in the rearing of our children. But we like to work for things. We like to labor for things. We like checklists. So give me the checklist. And I've heard people say that to me. Just give me the checklist on what I need to do to raise my family correctly. And then I'll check them all off and then I have the perfect family. Right? We like that. We like to fill in boxes. It's easy for us to do that. And if we just do A, B, and C, then my children or my marriage or whatever is going to thrive. That, my friends, is works righteousness. That is works righteousness, not faith. But God is not the God of the lists. God is not the God of the lists. He is much more organic than that. He is the God of conversation. He is the God of love. He is the God of relationships, of life. Is much more organic than just checklists. And what we need to do is to receive from God with open hands. We need to receive from God with open hands what he gives to us. And that's what we're going to be looking at today in this song. So the text opens, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Men know that they must work. Men know that they must work, and men do so in order to provide for their households food and clothing and shelter. We understand that we need to be people who are diligent, that we are workers. Not everybody understands that because we look out and see some very lazy people out there. But typically, men understand that if you're going to eat, you have to labor for your food. But without God and faith in Him, their labor is in vain, says the psalmist. Men must indeed work, but even our work must be done in faith. It must be done in faith. We see two great examples from Scripture, one negative and one positive. We see men laboring in the building of the Tower of Babel, right? Right? The men there bonded together in order to build a tower that would reach to heaven. And they did so in rebellion to God, didn't they? They bonded together. God had told them, God had told Noah, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, go out into the world and fill the earth after the flood. And these guys did the exact opposite. They said, let's come together so that we are not dispersed over the whole face of the earth. Let us build this tower to heaven. In other words, let us lift up ourselves as God. They did not believe that God is. They did not believe that God is. They had no faith in God. They were in defiance to Him. They were in rebellion to Him. They weren't relying on Him. They had... No, faith in God. And it was impossible for them to please God like that. It was impossible for them to please God. And they labored in vain, didn't they? We don't know how big that tower got. But they labored for it. They were laboring for it and building it. And it all came to an end, didn't it? They labored in vain. All of that was in vain, with vanity for them to do so apart from God. They came to an end because they did not trust in the Lord. Solomon is the positive example. Solomon built the temple and he did so by faith. He saw that God builds this house. In fact, if you look at this psalm, it says a song of ascent of Solomon. Of Solomon. Solomon wrote this psalm, perhaps with this very thing in mind, that God builds the house. He wrote this very psalm to express that. He understood that he must rest in the goodness of God by faith. He may labor, and men must labor, but God builds the house. That is, living by faith. And in doing so, by faith, God even used the resources around Solomon, even from the pagan empire of Hiram, the Phoenician, out in Tyre. And they used the resources of the land of Lebanon and the cedars of Lebanon. and It brought all those things down. God was gracious to them. God was building the house and he was even using those pagan nations around. Solomon had the great example of his father, David, in that. David sought to build a temple. you remember that? David sought to go out and build a temple. He wanted to do that. And yet God told him, no. He was stopped by God. David could have continued, you see. David could have said, well, I'm going to do it anyways because I really want to honor you, God. I want to honor you, Yahweh, and I'm going to build this temple for you. But you see, God had stopped him, God said, no. If he had gone on and continued on in his own strength, it would have been in vain. It would have been vanity for him to do so. But David trusted God. He opened his hands toward God and rested in Yahweh to build the temple through his son. He rested in the promises that God gave him. Both Solomon and David understood that apart from the Lord, apart from Yahweh, all labor is vanity. It is like grasping the wind, as Solomon says in Ecclesiastes. Grasping the wind, trying to grasp the wind. Go outside after today, walk outside, and you feel the wind, and try and grab a hold of it and hold it. It's kind of hard to do that, isn't it? You can't do that. That's what a life of faith, life without faith, is like. It's like grasping the wind. And they understood this because they believed God, and they believed that He is. Their focus, the object of their work, was God, not the house itself. God was central. He is the one who builds the house. They believed that God is self-existent, all-powerful, that He is creator that he creates ex nihilo out of nothing and so what does that have to do with child rearing that the source of faithful child rearing is faith in God who is faithful child rearing is faith in God who is he builds the house he supplies the materials And so the psalm begins Unless the Lord, unless the Lord, Yahweh, is the source and the beginning of our labors, even with our little ones, even with our children. And this is important for us to grasp because we can often get distracted by the raw materials that is, our sinful selves. We can look at ourselves and say, And see, I am a sinner who am i to be able to raise these children in godliness i look at myself and i see the sin that is in me and the foolishness and i get distracted by that we can look at our children and see a bunch of sinners sitting in front of us who sin against their brothers and sisters who are rebellious against their parents at times and we see those things in us and in our children and we can get frustrated by that We can become frustrated by that. But we need to look away from ourselves and understand that in the very beginning, God. Right? In the beginning, God. We need to understand and believe that God can create, as he said, as Jesus said, out of the rocks, children of Abraham. If he can create from rocks, children of Abraham, children of faith, then can he take you? And me can lift us up and help us to raise children to be a godly seed? That's hopeful. He can create out of nothing. He can take out of nothing and create servants. And so that means he can take you and me and my wife and your wife and he can create a godly seed. Because he can do that, he surely can take you and me and bring up about these houses of faith. That is hope. And so we need to look away from ourselves. <clears throat> we need to look to God. And we need to believe that he is. And then as we labor, as we surely must, because faith without works is dead. Not saying you don't work, saying you work in faith. You work in faith. We are laboring in faith. Duty is ours, results are God's. Does anybody know who said that? I think it was Stonewall Jackson that said that, if I remember right. Duty is ours, results are God's. Then we need to look toward God's promises for us. Again, it is the Lord who builds the house? We need to have that ingrained into our minds. It is the Lord who builds the house. And the Lord guards the city. We aren't protected, you see, by the watchmen on the walls of the city looking out for the enemy and then having enough time to raise the alarm so we can all gather together and fight. That might be a means that the Lord uses, but it is the Lord who guards the city. It is the Lord who guards the city. The watchman is simply a means. Faithlessness leads to vanity. Faithlessness leads to vanity. Again, to grasping after the wind. Grasping after the vapors. Trying to grab the wind. That's faithlessness. It is vain to build apart from faith in the Lord. It is vain to think that you can protect the city apart from the Lord. And as the psalm goes on, it is vain to exert oneself by rising early and sitting up late apart from the Lord. You can rise up early, you can stay up late, but if you're doing that apart from the Lord, again, it is vain. The psalmist gives us the answer. He is saying the answer to life's success is not staying up later and getting up earlier and eating battle rations, the bread of sorrows. All the work we do apart from faith in God's action is vain. We need instead to trust the Lord in all these endeavors. He is the one who builds the house. But you see, that is so human. We think to ourselves, oh, if I just work harder, If I just stay up later, then I will be able to do better and have a more successful career, have a more godly household, have more successful ministry, make more money, be able to get that new boat. Or we can spiritualize it and say, I'll just be a better Christian. I'll be more faithful. If I just get up an extra hour earlier and stay up an extra hour later, I'll be a better Christian. That's what we think. But when we think like that, then we are working like the Babylonites trying to build our own high tower. We're trying to build our own high tower. But in the end of verse 2, we have the proper answer. God gives us that which He demands of us. God gives us that which He demands of us. He gives His beloved sleep. You see that at the end of verse 2? He gives His beloved sleep. He's talking about rising up early and staying up late. He says, no, the Lord gives His beloved sleep. He commands us to love Him, and then He gives us that love for Him. And That's the great thing about God. He commands that we love Him, and then He gives us that love for Him. We love Him because He... First, love us, right? He commands us to give thanks in everything, and then He gives us thankful hearts. Why do you give thanks? Is it because of you? Because you're reaching down to yourselves and you're welling that thanks up inside of you, or is it because the Lord is working in you and you see the great things that He is doing? He commands us to have peace, And He gives us what He commands of us. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We have peace through God. We can rest in Him, and He gives us that peace. And He commands us to have faith, and He gives that to us as well. That's the glorious thing. He commands us to have faith, and He gives that as well. That's how gracious He is. And we hear, for by grace you've been saved. Right? Through faith. And that, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. He gives us faith. He gives us even our faith. You see that? For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So he commands us to have faith, and he gives us faith to believe in him. And the good news is that, as the author of Hebrews said, that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But we only seek him because he first made us alive. Because he quickened our spirits. He took our stony hearts and He made them flesh. He took dead men's bones and He put flesh on those dead men's bones and now gives us every good and perfect gift. That's how gracious and kind He is. But you see, we are all good Pelagians. We are all good Pelagians at heart. And immediately we want to go to works and we cry out, Yes, that's all great, but what do I need to do? What do I need to do? I need to have more faith? Okay, then I need to work harder. I need to stay up later. I need to rise up earlier in the morning and then I'll read the Bible and then I'll have more faith. And I do, and I do, and I do, and I do. And I do. And where is the focus? Where is the focus? It's all about me. Again, I am doing, I am working, I am doing this, I am doing that. And that's making me a better Christian. But you see, faith comes from God. We need to look toward God and believe that He is. God gives His people what He requires of us. He gives His beloved sleep. Right at the end of verse 2, He gives His beloved sleep. And sleep here is a metaphor for faith. Okay, He's speaking in a metaphor for faith. In Psalm 3, David slept peacefully by faith. David slept peacefully by faith, as he's talking about in Psalm 3, even while his enemies raged all around him. David says, and I slept. He was trusting and believing God. He didn't have to worry. He knew that the Lord was there. He had faith and trusted in God. He knew that God is. Did that mean he didn't rise up and then fight them? And he thought, well, God can fight the battle. I'll just go home. He didn't do that, did he? David did fight. Duty is ours. Results are God's. The results are in the hands of the Lord, and David understood that. And because he understood that, he was able to sleep in the midst of his enemies. How about Jesus? Do you remember when he was in the boat, and the storm was raging, and all his disciples were fearing and scared, and they were crying out to Jesus? Why don't you care for us, Jesus? Wake up! Because Jesus was asleep. And he was asleep because he knew who the Father is. And he knew who he is. He was sleeping and he was resting because of that. We are required to have such a faith that rests and sleeps in the Lord. And he gives that peace that passes all understanding. And we need to believe him. That's the good news. We believe him. We trust him. We can sleep because of him. And as Hebrews says, our faith is to believe that God rewards those that diligently seek him. Can we do that in ourselves? No, but God gives this to us, such faith. We need to remember this and be reminded of this. And that leads us to the second part of verse of Psalm 127. What the rewards of faithful child-rearing are. But what's helpful for us to realize is that God is rewarding us because of and through his son. Jesus was perfectly obedient, wasn't he? He was perfectly obedient. Hebrews tells us that He's perfect in every way. But we know that we are not when we look to ourselves and never will be perfect, never will be perfectly obedient to this side of glory. But Jesus was for our sakes and we are united to him and the Father rewards him and by extension because we are united to him, we receive those rewards. Write down in your notes, uh, those of you who are taking them, read, Psalm, or read Romans 6 read romans 6 because that's what romans 6 is talking about as we are united to him and sanctified in him both to will and to work to his good pleasure then we are able to rest and know the glory of being united to christ to being rewarded with him so what are the promised rewards of faithful childbearing that we see here in the song well first We are rewarded with an heritage of the Lord. We are rewarded with an heritage to the Lord. We have children that will continue on the family line of Christ from us poor sinners. Because we are united to Him. And so we have an heritage because we are united by faith to God. Because we are conjoined to Jesus. And we can expect the people of God to continue through our seed of people of faith. We are rewarded with an heritage of the Lord. Second, we are promised the fruit of the womb. We are promised the fruit of the womb. This is an odd saying today in our culture because we think of the womb as being, uh, uh, the fruit of the womb being a curse. That's not what is said here in the psalm. We are promised the fruit of the womb, and that is a good thing. This is sweet fruit for the believer. Sweet fruit for the Christian that will grow and flourish and be light unto the world. That is a glorious thing. Charles Spurgeon says this, He gives children, not as a penalty nor as a burden, but as a favor. He gives children, not as a penalty nor as a burden. That's our culture today, right? A penalty and a burden about children. But Spurgeon says he gives children not as a penalty nor as a burden, but as a favor. They are a token for good if men know how to receive them and educate them. They are doubtful blessings only because we are doubtful persons. That's Charles Spurgeon. We are promised the fruit of the womb. Let us see the greatest possessions that we have are... Our children. God has entrusted these little precious children to us, just like he said today, and that seed is going to continue great. Third, we are promised that our children will be arrows in the hands of a warrior, like arrows in the hands of a warrior. The psalmist is talking about warfare here. How many times does the Bible talk about spiritual warfare? over and over again, doesn't it? Waging war against the enemy. From the very first gospel message in Genesis 3.15, where we are told the seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head. That's warfare language. We are in a battle. And it goes on into the New Testament with Mary singing her Magnificat. Read the Magnificat of Mary and see that it is a battle song. To Paul telling us to put on the full armor of God, in the midst of telling us to train up our children in the nurture the paideia of God. We are about the business of fighting God's war, and He has invited us in as soldiers to fight for Him. And that is being done in part through our godly seed that Christ raises up from the loins of faithful parents. Parents are arrow makers. We are shapers of arrows. Anybody ever make any arrows? Maybe when you're a child get those arrows? But those arrows that we made as children when you flung them out they would go (laughs) right? Because they weren't straight. They weren't straight. If you really make arrows, I've seen arrow making done when I used to do history reenacting. And it's quite a process. They would use steamed wood and they would take that wood and put it through this tiny hole and they would go back and forth to make that arrow straight. It took time, it took patience, it took effort to make that arrow. And then they would take that arrow and they would harden it. And they would put a a sharp point on the end. They would fletch it so it flies straight and all of those things. That's what's being said here. We are arrow shapers. It takes time. George Swinnock said this, in the 17th century. He said, Now we know that sticks are not by nature arrows. They do not grow so, but they are made so. By nature they are knotty and rugged, but by art they are made smooth and handsome. So children by nature are rugged and untoward, but by education are refined and reformed and made pliable to the divine will and pleasure. Making arrows out of naughty K N O T T Y. Naughty and rugged. Of course it could be naughty as well. <laughs> and rugged sticks. Arrows are to be straight, they're to be sharp, they are to be launched, aren't they? And that is done once they are shaped correctly. Deuteronomy six speaks of the instruction of children and in the times when we lie down and when we rise up and when we walk along the way, all of life is to be education for our children. From the smallest, moral baby that was just born and the baby in the womb and my wife, from that point on, we are instructing our children. We are instructing them in God's way. In God's way. Our children are to be arrows. To go out and wait war. Finally, faithful child rearing results. You see there in the song, in happiness. Verse 5: Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. We see this as Christian parents when we when they talk, when our children talk to the enemy in the gates. When Christian parents are not shamed by their children who otherwise would do wicked and foolish things. We're not shamed by them because they are children of faith as well. When we understand, we are happy when we understand and see that we have not raised arrows for the enemy, but we have raised arrows for Christ. And this, you see, is victorious language. It isn't defeatist language that the psalmist is using Many Christians today are content to slide into the evangelical subculture with all of our own many icons and dwell there and forget that we are called by Jesus to go into all the world making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we do that by beginning in the house. We do that by beginning in the home, raising our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and then we are able to send out arrows we are to as well be arrows for our faithful parents we are to do battle like psalm 47:3 says he will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet these are some of the promises that are given he will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under the feet and under our feet god will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. God is the author and perfecter of our faith. Hear the promises of the Lord. Psalm 103, 17, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children, to such as keep His covenant, and to those who remember His commandments to do them. That is victorious language. And to Abraham, God promised, and I will establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. We see that increasing in the New Testament. You see those promises and the fulfillment of those promises increasing in the New Covenant. Increasing in power and glory and extent. Because Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It's no longer just the land of Canaan. It is expanded to the earth. Peter says in his Pentecost sermon, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children. And to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And Jesus says, go therefore to all the world, baptizing, making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lo, I will be with you always. He also says in that passage that all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto him. And we are united to him. And we are also children of Abraham. We are by faith his arrows as Paul says in Galatians 3. We too are being sent out to wage war against the seed of the serpent. To root out sin in ourselves. To root out sin in our homes, in our church, in the nation. And we will speak with the enemies in the gate. We will meet the enemies in the gate. And we are strengthened by the Lord to meet them for battle. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He's still about the same task. This wasn't all stuff that just happened 2,000 years ago. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He is about this same task today. He is raising up faithful warriors for Himself and within families. And He raises up the faithful. And what joy it is to see a quiver full of faithful children, is it not? Is it not? Who are shaped and hardened and sharpened and equipped to be sent out to do battle in faith. In the faith that has been given to them by God. Such provides happiness and unspeakable joy to the faithful parents. And they shall not be ashamed, but shall rejoice. Because the enemies of Christ are conquered in the gate. And we do battle right here when we gather to the Lord, gather to the Lord's table each week. We too are doing battle. It is here that we have table fellowship with the Lord where we meet with Him and dine with Him and we are at peace with our Father who loves us. And as the psalmist also says, that the Good Shepherd prepares a table for us where? In the presence of our enemies. That's battle language. And here we are at peace amidst the battle. Here we can rest amidst the battle. The battle continues on and they're wearing themselves out out there. But we have peace and rest amidst the battle. We can lie down and sleep. We can rest and eat in peace even as the battle rages. Because we know and believe that unless the Lord builds the house, he labors in vain who builds it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It begins with the Lord. He is the object of our faith. And we must believe in him, for without faith it is impossible to please him. And we must believe first that he is. That he is self-existent, all-powerful, and can create all things from nothing and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And he has called us here this day and gives us the faith to seek him so we can come to the table and rejoice to fellowship with him. Amen. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to this sermon that was recently preached at Christ Church of Lemison County. If you would like further information about anything in this message, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.